Yes, we can. So Job will start. Um, we'll be reading some verses from both the first and second chapters uh, to kind of get started into it. Again, remember, this is an overview. And so we're hitting highlights and hopefully we'll end up enough tonight where any questions or anything uh, you might want to ask, we'll, we'll try to try to uh, get those tonight. And if I can't answer them, I'll at least uh, see what we can come up with or think about. Uh, but uh, we'll start in tonight into um, uh, the oldest book of the Bible. So it's what now? It is. It's going. Thank you. So we get into um, the book in 42 chapters. If I can get to it, this will work. Yes. 42 chapters in the book of Job. It's a long book um, compared to some of the others and especially the last few that we've, um, we've looked at. Nehemiah had 13 chapters, uh, has 13 chapters, and we looked at Ezra, not quite as long as Nehemiah and Esther. So um, after leaving the books of the Kings and Chronicles, which are longer, Job is actually longer than most of those, than all of those, actually, than any of the books on the Kings, Chronicles, or Samuel. 42 chapters, a long, um, a long book, and the theme, of course, is trial and suffering. Um, when we uh, read through this, you'll, you'll, when you, as you read through this, you'll, you'll see that come up over and over. The, the uh, first couple of chapters tell us how he suffered, what he went through. And then the next chapters, we'll look at an outline, a couple of outlines, um, ideas of outlines for Job. Um, see, how it's, um, see how the questions about his suffering come up. Why he suffered, what was the cause of it, was it, was it sin in his life, and so forth. So... All right, so as we start, let's, let's just read the first few verses to get, um, to get acquainted with this man named Job. And uh, start at chapter 1 and verse 1. I'll read down through verse 5 just to kind of give a little background as we go into the book. There was a man in the land of Uz. This is located kind of east Jordan, um, or excuse me, north, north to east. It's around up towards the, the northern part of um, right above the Sea of Galilee, around uh, the in the Old Testament, later on, there's a town called Samaria, um, and that was the capital later on. As we we say later on, it's kind of hard to remember. This was, as we'll see in just a moment, this was written, written way before the, the kings. As we'll see, this is the oldest book in the Bible. In the land of us, his name was Job, and that man was perfect and upright, one that feared God and eschewed evil. Perfect does not mean sinless. It meant in all the ways that he... Um, served the Lord and lived for him, he, he lived it um, pleasing to the Lord. He wasn't sinless by any means. Uh, and eschewed evil. He hated that which was evil. And there were born in him seven sons and three daughters. Had a pretty good sized family, ten kids. His substance also was 7,000 sheep and 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen and 500 she-asses, very great household, so that this man was the greatest of all the men of the east. That's how he's described. Very wealthy man because of his belongings and his, uh, his uh, livestock and so forth. Verse 4, and his sons went and feasted in their houses, everyone on his day. The idea here would be basically they would have a big birthday party for each kid. They would, they would come to the house and have a big birthday party uh, for, for each one of them when it says on his day. And sent and called for their three sisters to eat and drink with them. And it was so when the days of their feasting were gone about that Job sent and sanctified them and rose up early in the morning and offered burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, it may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus did Job continually. So at this point, again, as we'll see in just a moment, this is way before God had uh, Moses write the law and the priesthood and so forth. So before the priests in the Old Testament, the head of the house, the head of the family, uh, acted as a priest of the family um, in, in the sense that praying for them and so forth. And so that's what Job did for his son. So with that little bit of introduction, let's look at some things and we'll start to break down a little bit of the 42 chapters. So roughly, and this is... Um, this is uh, a rough date for the, for the date of Job. So creation and Genesis begins, Genesis 1-1, around 3975 to 1660 B.C. Now understand, that wasn't when the book itself was written. That's when the dates occurred from Genesis 1 to Genesis 50. When we studied Genesis, we talked about that. So it's not that it was written over that period of time. Those things occurred because Genesis was written by Moses, and Moses wasn't born during in the book of Genesis. He was born in the book of Exodus, but he wrote it. And so God gave him the history of that to write. So anyway, Job 
from what we can guess and, and tell, um, I looked at a couple of sources to try to nail this date down. And as I've had to do a lot of times in our, in our uh, just about every week, uh, the next week change some dates because you have some conflicting dates sometimes with some of the writers and some of the um, some of those you know, sources, historical sources. So roughly, Job lived around 1967 to, uh, to 1827 B.C. The Bible tells us he lived 140 years. So somewhere in that area, in that time space, was when these events occurred. According to the Reese Chronological Bible, which is a very, very good source, um, I have one that I bought, goodness, I think it was in 1991. I've had it a long time, and... Um, I haven't read through the whole thing, but it has, has uh, the books of the Bible broke down and chapters broke down by the date in which they, which they were written or occurred. Sometimes they're, they're written after it occurs, like we did with Judges when we looked at that. So those are the dates on Job's life. So let's look at this a little bit more. So roughly, Abraham lived about 1967 to 1792 B.C., Job, this is according to Reese Chronological Bible, about 1997. So he was roughly, according to Reese, about 30 years younger. But I think we can nail it down a little better than that. And um, it, with the good research that Reese did, uh, whenever he, he put together the Chronological Bible, I think he got the dates wrong on that. So you can look with me here. In Genesis 46 and verse 13, he is called, well, it lists the family of Abraham, his descendants, he has, um, he has, of course, remember Abraham, Isaac, then Jacob. Jacob, has, he's the father of the 12 tribes, one of which is Issachar. And so um, Job is, from what we can see in Genesis 46, 13, he's listed there, great-grandson of Abraham. So Reese's date is probably off some, probably maybe as much as 100 years or so, roughly. So uh, at any rate... He's, he is listed, found in Genesis 46, 13 as a grandson of Abraham. So let me go over there. If you're there with me, if not, I'll, I'll just go ahead and read it. Um, Genesis 46 and verse 13, it gives the um, family, gives some of the descendants of Abraham. Of course, at this point in Genesis, Abraham has, has already died. And it, the, the 12 tribes are, are living, all the, um, the, the sons, the 12 sons. Verse number 13. And the sons of Issachar, Tola, Puva, and Job, and Shimron. So he is listed there. So he lived somewhere, you know, after around and towards the after the time of Jacob, to give you an idea. So because of that, Job is actually the oldest book um, as far as uh, when it was written, because it was written by one of the, his four friends. When it was written, it was written by before his life had ended, or by the time his life had ended, put it that way. Um, it was written then, so it was written way before Genesis was written. Even though it didn't occur before, it occurred uh, during. Is that clear as mud? Is that helping you a little bit? Can you, is that kind of putting everything together? Okay, so uh, a quick breakdown of the book in three very easy parts. Chapters 1 and 2 are his calamities, the problems and the, the, uh, the things that happen with his family and with his possessions. Chapters 3 to 41, the majority of the book, uh, just simply uh, have that written down as conversations. That is, from chapters 3 to 41, you see Job talking to his, uh, his wife in chapter 3 very briefly. And then you see him talking to four friends, um, which is the most part of that, that length of those chapters. Uh, at different times, and then you see him talking, of course, uh, at different times to the Lord, um, which anyone would do if they went through the things he went through. So you get to uh, Job's suffering in chapters 1 and 2. I'm going to break it down a little bit more now, not real detail, but a little bit more. So you see the suffering that he went to. If you're still at chapter 1, or if you'll go with me to chapter 1, pick up at verse, uh, verse 6. There was a day... When the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them. And the Lord said unto Satan, Whence comest thou? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro in the earth, and from walking up and down in it. Uh, the Bible tells us in 1 Peter 5 verse 8, um, Your adversary the devil as a roaring lion walks about seeking whom he may devour. And so he answered when the Lord asked him that, and he said, I've been walking to and fro in the earth and up and down on it. Now, notice in verse 6, he appears before the Lord. 
He, he's in God's presence talking to him. How often this happens or happened, I do not know. I don't know how often God has allowed Satan after he failed to be in his presence. It may be more often than we think, but he was allowed in his presence with the sons of God. The sons of God is an Old Testament term for angels. All right. We'll come to that a little bit later. Uh, and so the Lord asked him, then pick up verse 8. The Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job, that there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and upright man? Again, we said perfect does not mean sinless. One that feareth God and escheweth evil, he hates evil. Verse 9, Then Satan answered the Lord and said, Doth Job fear God for naught? One thing for certain about the devil, he's not very bashful, is he? I mean, he's very bold uh, and, and very brazen. In verse 10, Hast not thou made an hedge about him? about his house and about all that he hath on every side. Uh, thou hast blessed the work of his hands, and his substance is increased in the land. But put forth thine hand now, and touch all that he hath, and he will curse thee to thy face. And the Lord said unto Satan, Behold, all that he hath is, thy, is in thy power. Only upon himself put not forth thine hand. So Satan went forth in the presence of the Lord. Then as you read down through there, for time's sake we won't, because there's a lot to go through tonight and cover. Uh, this book is very, I mean, it's deep in a lot of ways. There are a lot of things in there. Uh, but as you, as you read through the rest of that chapter, you see how his, uh, his children are, um, are, um, are killed, how his possessions, his uh, cattle, everything is taken away. Um, and so um, it, it, it talks about how, uh, oh, I'm sorry, his cattle, his, his, uh, his livestock are all killed, is what I meant to say. Then you get to chapter 2. Let's, let's go there. For just a moment. And there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord. And Satan came also among them to present himself before the Lord. And the Lord said unto Satan, From whence comest thou? Uh, second chapter, second verse. Same thing. He asked Satan, What have you been doing? And he tells him. He has to be honest with God. And he tells him. And then he asked him, Have you considered my servant? Asked him again the same thing. But look at verse 4. Satan answered the Lord and said, Skin for skin. Yea, that all that a man hath will he give for his life. There's a lot of truth in that. There's a lot in the book of Job that talks about human nature, and this is very true. Um, most human beings, self-preservation is one of the strongest um, uh, desires in a human being. You're going to do everything you can to live. And so he said, um, um, all that a man hath will give for his life. The devil, we know he's a liar, but he's telling the truth there. Verse four, or verse 5, but put, put forth thine hand now, talking to God, touch his bone and flesh, and he will curse thee to thy face. And the Lord said unto Satan, Behold, he is in thine hand, but save his life. First time he said, don't touch him. Now he says you can touch him, but don't kill him. So it gets to be more of a test for Job. Skip down to um, verse, well, you read down to verse 9. And his wife says to him, you know, are you still holding on to your integrity, Job? Are you still, you still holding on to, to this God who allowed this to happen to you? Verse 10, or verse 9, curse God and die. Um, and then Job says, shall we not receive good and evil from the hand of the Lord? In other words, when he's talking about evil, he's not talking about moral evil. He's talking about evil in the sense of calamity, um, um, you know, destruction, all that happened to him. Verse 11. Now, when Job's three friends heard all this evil that was come upon him, they came everyone from his own place. Eliphaz the Temanite, Bildad the Shuhite, he was short, he was a Shuhai. I was seeing if you're listening, and Zophar the Namathite, for they had made an appointment together to come to mourn with him and to comfort him. And the comfort him is kind of like a, <laughs> yeah, comfort him, as you'll see. Verse 12, and then they lifted up their eyes afar off and knew not, and lifted up their voice and wept, and rent everyone his mantle and sprinkled dust upon their heads toward heaven. We saw something very similar last week in the book of Esther with, um, with uh, Mordecai. Remember when he, he uh, we rent his mantle, it said, and he uh, uh, the sackcloth and ash and everything. Very similar where we're talking about sprinkling dust upon him. It's a sign of grieving, a sign of mourning before God. Verse 13, so they sat down with him upon the ground seven days and seven nights. And none spake a word unto him, for they saw that his grief was very great. You imagine sitting in the presence of three other people for seven days and seven nights, no one says a word. You imagine the thoughts that go through your mind without anybody, you know, commenting on them in any way, the things that go through your mind. Seven days and seven nights, he sat there as his uh, friend sat with him. So let's pick up there and look uh, a little farther into this. So in uh, chapter three, you begin to see the puzzle in his mind about the suffering he went through. Why did God allow it? You know, why didn't God just take me uh, before I was born? 
uh, verse uh, 3, chapter 3, let the day perish when I was born, wherein I was born, and the night when I was said, there's a man-child conceived. Um, and he, he talks about the, um, the darkness, uh, verse 6, and the night. And we see, that, um, we see that he's going through the suffering, and we see how the, 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 the suffering is very personal. It comes out in the words that he says. Uh, the, the things that he begins to say. So you get to chapter 4, and the first of his friends, Eliphaz, the Temanite, answers him, and he begins to, um, he begins to, to basically <laughs> preach at Job, is, is what he begins to, to do here. So let's go through this outline real quick, and then we'll come back and hit the highlights. Chapters 4 to 31, we see in Job's suffering that sin must be dealt with. Um, it must be punished. Of course, the one who took our punishment is our Savior, uh, it must be confessed and covered. And so when it comes to sin that's found, um, uh, that Job realizes uh, it, by the end of that, end of chapter 41, we see that he confesses it gets, gets things right with God that weren't right. Um, but the problem was, is his, um, uh, uh, 31, not 41, the problem is that his, uh, his friends kept telling him, Job, you must have sin in your life or this wouldn't be happening to you. The, those are real good friends, aren't they? But anyway, so, uh, but we find out that that must be dealt with. Chapter 32 to 37, we see that suffering purifies. And there are a lot of verses in those chapters about the, um, the things that Job went through and the things he learned as a result of his suffering. So when we go through suffering, in the book of First, in the book of first Peter, um, in the New Testament, Simon Peter says in chapter 4, don't think it strange concerning the fiery trials that come in your life. He said, he said they're, they're, um, they work patience in our life. They, they, um, they, of course, build character. And God works through those trials and problems and sufferings in our life. And, you know, the, the answers Job didn't have, we find more of the, those answers in the New Testament. When Paul and Peter talk more about suffering later on, we see more from a New Testament perspective the answers to that. But suffering purifies um, and then we'll, we'll look at a, a several verses at the end about this. And then we also will see by the end of the book how the Lord rewards suffering in chapter, um, it says 28, I think that should be 38. There's my typo tonight. 38 to 42 on our GPS here, the Lord rewards suffering. He had four friends that are mentioned. It said three in one place, but then a fourth one pipes in. Um, one's name is Eliphaz. We, he's, he begins talking in chapter 4, verse 1. Bildad, that's the one that we said was a Shuhite. He was from a, a place called Shua was the name of the city. And that's why it's called that. Zophar is another friend. And then Elihu is another friend that shows up a little later on that's not mentioned in chapter th- uh, 2, whenever it says his friends were with, or 3, when it says his friends were with him. But we do see Elihu. So Elihu actually is the one that we, we know, we find out later um, through um, comparing Scripture that he's the one that actually wrote the book of Job. A man named Elihu. So you don't have to know all these things, but just to give you an idea, uh, we said that uh, you know the major part of those chapters were the conversations he had. These are the four friends, and these are the con- these are the places where they talk to him, they preach to him, <laughs> they accuse him sometimes, and they try to give comfort the best they can, and it doesn't end up being a lot of comfort at times. Uh, Eliphaz, he, chapter 4, chapter 5, chapter 15, and chapter 22 are where we see his conversations with Joel, uh, Job, not Joel, with Job. Wrong book. Bildad, uh, chapters 8, 18, and 25. His is not quite as, as, uh, not quite as many words. Zophar, a little less, uh, ch- uh, chapter 11 and chapter 20. Just two chapters have the, his words of uh, comfort or consolation or Correction, whatever words he uses in there. And then Elihu has uh, 32, 37. His is a longer span of, uh, of chapters. And he's the one that as Job's suffering is about to come to an end, he's the one that's talking to him the most uh, in, the, in the book of Job. But for the most part, um, almost all of them said, Job, this happened because, because somewhere along the line you've got sin in your life and it needs to be dealt with. Um, they were right in some ways, but that wasn't the only reason. God allowed Job to, be, to, to go through suffering. He allowed it for other reasons as well. But uh, as sometimes with us, um, as believers, God may not be, you know, oftentimes we think, well, I'm going through this in my life. God's punishing me for something. God doesn't punish. He does chastise, and there, there's a big difference between those two. 
because our sin was punished. The punishment for our sin was taken by Jesus on the, when he went on the cross. So chastisement is different from punishment. Now, when we're growing up as a kid, we don't think there's a difference. And there may not be when you're a kid. But um, chastisement is, is in order to, to show you what is wrong and to correct it. It's, it's different from punishment in that sense. Punishment is a, a price that has to be paid. You know, we think of the, the, the spanking or the standing in the corner or whatever um, is the price to be paid. But as far as sin goes, our punishment was paid by Jesus. Now, the Lord does chastise his own. Uh, Job records and talks about the chastening of the Almighty. Uh, Hebrews 12 talks about the chastening of God. So he does chasten and correct. A couple of other alternate routes. If you go over to Ezekiel... Um, have time to go with me over there for just a moment. Way to your right to the book of Ezekiel chapter 14. Uh, these, these two verses have just a, pretty much the same words in it. And he's listed with two other men that are found in the Old Testament. One of them uh, is right around the time of Ezekiel. Time-wise is not completely different. But in Ezekiel 14, verse 14 and verse 20, they say almost the same thing. Though these three men, Noah, from Genesis, uh, you know, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9. Noah, Daniel, there's the book of Daniel, um, and Job were in it. They should uh, deliver but their own souls by their righteousness, saith the Lord God. What he's saying here is he's talking through Ezekiel to the, to the people of Israel. Um, he talks about their transgressions in some of the previous verses. And he said, you know, um, he tells them that... Um, their transgressions had come up before God, you know, all the idol worship and stuff like that. And so what he tells them is, is the three best men from the Old Testament up to that point that um, these three men who lived uprightly and, you know, didn't go, fall into idolatry like, like the Israelites did. He said, you know, if they could deliver their souls by their own, by their own righteousness, they would, but they couldn't. So what he, what he was comparing them to Israel and how rebellious they were. Uh, verse 20, though Noah, Daniel, and Job were in it, as I live, saith the Lord God, they shall deliver neither son nor daughter. They shall but deliver their own souls by their righteousness. So he's talking about the pestilence that he would send and, and the things he would send on Israel because of their disobedience through Ezekiel. But he compares Job to Noah and Daniel. And we know that those, three, those other two men also love the Lord greatly. And um, they, they serve the Lord. The Bible says Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord, and Noah and his family were spared from the flood. Uh, Daniel, uh, God used him greatly in a time of captivity and, uh, you know, raised him up to serve under, under Nebuchadnezzar, under actually two or three um, different um, world leaders. He served under Nebuchadnezzar first and, and so forth, um, all the way through the kingdom of Persia. So, you know, he was a man that God used greatly um, because of his walk with the Lord. So they're compared there. And then James chapter 5, verse 11 uh, James writes in his little five-chapter book and says, you know, have you not heard of the patience of Job? And so he's mentioned in Ezekiel and also in James. So to whom was this written? Well, it was written to everyone, of course, when it comes to suffering. Um, now, it wasn't written to Israel as a nation like the previous books we've been studying for quite a while now. It was written really to everybody, uh, and it was written concerning suffering. Now, again, he lived during the time of Jacob and Jacob's sons um, and, and their descendants. He was a um, son, son of the tribe of Issachar. So he lived during the time of the 12 tribes. But remember, the kingdom, as far as, as um, King Saul, that, that hadn't begun yet. So Israel was a nation in that sense, but it wasn't like you know having their own king. God was still reigning over them uh, through the 12 tribes. And so it was written to everyone about suffering. So this is a book that you see in a lot of literature, um, old literature, especially, especially you'll see quotes that are references from Job, some of the things that he said. Um, there are a lot of uh, classic literature ha will have references to Job. Uh, maybe not his name, but some of the things he said. And there are a lot of phrases found, if you read through the book of Job, that are common in, in uh, common speech phrases that we still use to this day. So it's written to everyone concerning suffering. Also, Job is a type or a picture. We've looked at a lot of those so far in our studies. Uh, he's a type or a picture of Israel during the tribulation. I don't think it's any um, coincidence that he and his friends were sitting there on the ground seven days and seven nights. 
the tribulation will be seven years. And I don't think it was any coincidence that God had that length of time that they sat there before anything was even said or anything happened. And we'll see a little bit more about this in just a few moments, how they were a type, a picture of, of Israel during the tribulation because Job as Israel, um, he lost all his possessions. And Israel in the tribulation, those who are true to God and refuse to take the mark of the beast, they will have to live by the skin of their teeth, which is another thing found in Job. They'll have to live by the skin of their teeth. They will have to scrape and scrounge because if they, because not having the mark of the beast, they will not be able to buy and sell. So they'll have to get food any way they can get it. They will go through great suffering during the tribulation. Some of them will be martyred and put to death who do not take the mark of the beast uh, in the book of Revelation. So there are a lot of comparisons of Job to the nation of Israel in the tribulation. Here's some lessons learned through Job's friends. Um, they had a very small view of God. Uh, they mention God, but their view of God is very, very small uh, compared to who God really is. They didn't offer a lot of comfort in some of the words that they said. And again, they talk about, you know, basically all of them told Job, you, this is, you're going through this because there's sin in your life. They would, even though they mentioned God, they would never say something like, you know, if God's allowing you to go through this, he must be going to do something in your life. He must be trying to tell you something in your life other than you got sin. Something in your life. What is he going to work in your life? What is he going to do? So they comforted him, comforted him during his loss and what he went through, but they never tried to help him walk through it without simply pointing fingers. Um, his friends failed to enter into his, his sufferings. Um, when a friend goes through a time of grief or loss, um, as, as believers, that is a perfect opportunity to help them in their suffering. Pray with them, pray for them at least, encourage them in some way, uh, whether, whether it's a, the loss of a, of, a, of a loved one or whether they've, they've lost a job or whether they're going through sickness, loss of health, whatever it may be. And Job went through basically all these things, uh, but they failed to really enter into his suffering, to really, to be able to really, um, a better word than sympathize is empathize with him. Uh, it's easy to sympathize and feel sorry for somebody, but to, to feel that with them, uh, the Bible says in the book of Galatians chapter 5, bear you one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. And so that's one thing that these, these friends were definitely not doing. And also they were too proud to listen. They wouldn't listen to what Job uh, had to say in some of his replies or what he wanted to say to them. They would just talk and just drop, the, you know, drop it all there and leave it. So let's look at some more lessons learned and then we're going to look at a few other things in here and take a little more, more time on it tonight also. There is God's grace found in the, in the book of Job. Um, the word grace is not found there, but His grace is certainly there. Now, although the Lord allowed Satan to do these things to him, first of all, to take possessions, and then the second time in chapter 2, everything but his life, his health was taken. Um, he sat there with those bowls on him, and he got so, it's so bad he took the, you know, pieces of a broken pot and tried to scrape them. That had to be a horrible, horrible uh, pain to go through and, and, and uh, uh, discomfort to go through. And so um, even in all of that, God was gracious to Job. One way that he was gracious is as, as everything was coming to an end, he talked not just to, he talked with Job. And Job was able to talk to him. Uh, Job was one that was very honest with God. Why are you doing this? Why are you letting me go through this? Lord, why did you not take me? And he was very honest with him, uh, as, as we should be. But, you know, he, he did it in the right way, but God showed his grace. He showed his mercy because he did spare his life. Although there's other things happened, he did spare Joe's life and, showed, and, and had mercy on him. We see the justice of God found in here. Whenever um, even some of his friends, some of the statements they make, refer to the justice of God because he is holy. And uh, Job, at the end of the book, uh, understands that and begins to, to see that. And we'll see that in the last chapter a little bit. We see, of course, His righteousness, that God is holy. And uh, we see, um, as a, because of that righteousness, He asked Job in the last several chapters some very uh, deep questions to think about. You know, one thing He asked Him, we'll get to later, is uh, where were you when I created the heavens and the earth? <laughs> he wasn't anywhere, just like we weren't. In other words, Job, I've done all this. I've created all of this. And so one of the underlying truths there for you and me practically is God's got this. In our life, no matter how bad it may seem, he's got this in our life. But he's righteous and his power. You see his power in the book of Job, uh, not only in the, the things that he did for him at the end, but also 
You see his power in that he, um, with, with, he restrained some things that he could have done. All right, in the book of Job, there are a lot of topics. If you ever study this book, uh, if you take a notebook and go through and make notes chapter by chapter in it, you'll find so it is such a rich book with so much in there. And a lot of it, of course, is found in the conversation that he has with one of the four friends or the conversation he has with God himself. There is a biblical view of theology in here. You see a lot about God in here, who he is, and his, and there's already mentioned his power and his righteousness. There are some verses in here about science in, in the book of Job. Um, philosophy, uh, looking at life and uh, the sufferings of life would fall into that. Um, psychology, um, the, the way we're made up, the way that our, our spirit and soul and mind work, the way our thoughts work. There's a great deal in there about psychology. There's a great deal about geology and creation where God talks about in chapter 38, he asked that question, where were you when I created, uh, created everything, when I created the heavens and the earth? And then there's actually some prophecy in the book of Job. There's some places where uh, some of the things he says will happen uh, a little bit later. In fact, let's look at one example. Go with me to chapter 19. 19 of Job. Look at verse uh, 25 through 27. For I know that my Redeemer liveth, and that he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. There's some prophecy. And though after my skin the worms destroy this body, yet in my flesh shall I see God. Job knew about the resurrection in the very first, very first book of the Bible. Isn't that interesting? In my flesh I'll see God. I'll, I'll be able to see him because he'll stand, it says in verse 25, of the latter day upon the earth, and there will be a resurrection. Verse 27, whom I shall see for myself, my eyes shall behold, and not another, though my reins be consumed with him. It reigns as your emotions, your motives all together. Uh, that, that we usually use the word the heart, and the reins have to do with our emotions and our, our desires um, and our motives. So there's a little bit of prophecy right there. There's some other places, but we just thought we'd look at that one real quick. Then we see a peek into heaven. Go back to chapter 1 and verse 6. For whatever reason, and however often this happens, I don't know. Uh, but at this time, Satan stood before the Lord um, and talked to him there. And the only other time, uh, well, the other time that we see is in chapter 2. But look at chapter 1 and verse 6. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan came also among them. And also chapter 2 verse 1 says pretty much the same thing. So... Uh, in God's presence, the sons of God, as we said, those are angels. You go back, you look at some other references, we'll see one in a moment from Job, um, that I believe those, of course, are, are angels. And they're in God's presence in uh, chapter 1, verse 6 and 2, verse 1. Go with me to chapter 38. I've been referring to this, and we'll look at this. Chapter 38, look at verse 1 through 7. So this is at the point where Job's getting towards the end of all his suffering, and he's talking with God. He just got through talking with his other friend. We talked about Elihu um, that we said was the one who wrote the book. Um, then in chapter 38 here, the Lord answers him, verse 1. Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this that darkeneth counsel by words without knowledge? So while Job is standing around, all of a sudden one day there's this whirlwind. You ever see those? those they call them dust devils and whirlwinds. Um, remember where um, the um, where Moses, uh, God used a bush, probably one Moses had seen many times. But when he walked by that one time, it burned and it didn't burn up. It was on fire, but it didn't burn up. It wasn't consumed. And so the Lord talked to Moses out of a burning bush while well, he talks to um, to Job from this whirlwind. He says, verse 2, Who is this that darkeneth counsel by words without knowledge? In other words, the things you say, Job, um, your knowledge is very limited. And he's about to tell him why. He's, he's making him see himself from a better perspective, which is something we all need to do from time to time, don't we? Verse 3, Gird up now thy loins like a man. He says, Job, be a, be a man about this. I want you to, to listen to what I had to say, and I want you to measure yourself up to what I'm about to say. For I will demand of thee, and answer thou me. Where was thou when I laid the foundation of the earth? Declare if thou hast understanding. Who hath laid the measures thereof, if thou, um, if thou knowest? Who hath stretched the line upon it? 
Whereupon are the foundations thereof fastened, or who laid the cornerstone thereof, when the morning stars sang together, and all the sons of God shouted for joy. So there's another reference there to 1-6, the sons of God being, being angels. So he asked in this question, where were you when I, when I created everything? When I, when I laid the foundation of the earth? Where were you? And then, of course, the other questions he can't answer either because he wasn't there. He said, he says, I'm the one, he tells Job, look, I'm the one who measured everything. I stretched the line, much like we'd think of using a measuring tape or a, or a plumb line or something. To He said, I did all of that myself and the foundations, the cornerstone. I did all of that, Job. Where were you? In other words, he wanted Job to see, you know, what we need to always uh, see from time to time, how insignificant we are compared to God. You know, we compare ourselves to him. Um, there's much we don't know as Job uh, began to really understand there. So we see a little further revelation about creation when he asked Job this question. Then we also see in the tune up here of uh, the things we, the lessons learned from it, how Satan falsely accuses. Go with me over to Revelation. Revelation 12. So in chapter 1 and chapter 2, he's, uh, the Bible says that uh, Satan stood before the Lord and both times he accused Job he did a job on Job, didn't he? <laughs> I thought I'd use that a different way. Uh, look at chapter 12 of Revelation and look at verse number 10. This is uh, concerning when uh, in the tribulation when uh, basically Satan comes down to planet Earth and there's going to be just complete destruction, devastation. Look at verse number 10. And I heard... Actually, back up verse 9. And uh, the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan. There's no question of who that is. Same one that appeared before God to accuse Job. Which deceiveth the whole world. That's one of the things he does. He loves to deceive. And was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. So some of the sons of God, some of the angels will fall with Satan in the tribulation. Verse 10, and, as I, and I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now has come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. Here you go. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. That's what the enemy does. what our enemy does. He likes to accuse. He likes to say, well, you might be a Christian, but look what you did. Look what you said. Look what you said to this person. Look what you did this and this time in your life. He loves to accuse. So he accused Job before God. You think he's all that? Well, you let me have my way with him and we'll see what happens. God says, you do everything. Don't take his life. You do everything else. And he just about did. And so he's called the accuser of our brethren. So we see from Job how the enemy works. And uh, we only see him in those first couple of chapters. But the result of what he did is found throughout the book of Job. So let's look at some lessons about our enemy from chapters 1 and 2. I may, I may uh, hit a few verses, spot, spot uh, read a few verses there. Um, I'll have to move on. In chapters 1 and 2, there's some things that we see about him, about our enemy. I've read some of this already, so I probably won't go back and read um, all of the verses here. But first of all, we see that somehow... And we don't know how often this happens, but he, our enemy, Satan, has access before God's throne. He did with Job. Now, whether he still does this day, I don't know. But we do know that the Bible tells us in 1 Peter 5, 8 that he walks about as a roaring lion. So though he can't be seen with our eyes, um, he, he's not on a chain. If he's on a chain, that's a mighty long chain, isn't it? So uh, we can't see him with our eyes. But how often he comes before the throne, he has access or has at least had it in the, future, in the past. He knows people and personalities. He knew Job. God says, have you, have you considered my servant Job? Satan didn't even have to say yes. He knew Job's life in and out. And we know that because he says, well, you, you, let me, you take away his possessions. You take away the things that are dear to him, and we'll see, if you'll, see how much he serves you. And then you take his life and see how much he serves you. And then God says, you can take his help. You're not taking his life. So he knows personalities. Uh, the only one that knows personalities better, of course, is God himself. But folks, the devil has been at his craft for thousands of years. And he knows people and he knows personalities. But he cannot act without God's permission. That's another thing we learn in Job chapter 1 and 2. God gave him permission to do what he did uh, with Job. So he cannot act without that. So as a child of God, the things that come through, come into our life... They sift through the Father's hand before they get to our life. 
And so if there's anything the enemy does in our life, according to the pattern, the, the, what we see from Job, the principle here is he has to have permission from God. He knows that God protects his own. The devil knows that God's protect. He said, one of the things he said to God was, you put a hedge about him. A hedge is like a fence. It's, it's a protection. In those days, uh, people still you know, plant different bushes is what they call a privy hedge or privacy or whatever. Uh, he said, you put a hedge about him so that nothing can get to him. And um, so he knows that God protects his own. He cannot go beyond God's boundaries, though. He can't go any further than God says to him. First time, he says, you can take everything, but don't touch him. Second time, God says, you can, take, you can do anything to him, just don't kill him. And so each time, he went right up to that point as far as he could go. So he, he protects his, uh, he, he cannot go behind, beyond God's boundaries. He can control the weather. Look back at chapter 1 again. Chapter 1. There's a day, verse 13, when they came into the, the Job's house, and they're celebrating, or excuse me, in their eldest brother's house, rather, excuse me. Then a messenger comes to Job. Uh, first thing happens, the um, Sabaeans uh, fall upon him and took away the, the uh, livestock. And then look at verse, um, pick up verse 19. And behold, there came a great wind from the wilderness and smote the four corners of the house, and it fell upon young men, and they are dead. You know, it's funny how people will blame God for a hurricane. What if God didn't cause a hurricane? That's something to think about, isn't it? Maybe he didn't. Maybe the enemy did that. I'm not saying it's for sure, but he can control the weather. So, you know... Um, Global warming may not work as much as they think it does. So anyway, uh, he can control the weather, and he can afflict a person's body. Now, don't get me wrong here, folks. I'm not saying that every time you've got sickness, the devil did it. I'm not saying that. But we know that he can, and he did with Job. Um, he, he can afflict, um, and um, that's what he did to Job. So I'm not saying that every time you get a sickness or something happens to you, the devil did it. He if he didn't do it, he'd probably like to put his signature on it, put it that way. If, it, if it's something that will discourage us or that hurts, cause us pain, he would love to put his signature on it. But I'm not saying he does it every time. But he did with Job, and he apparently can't. Um, and he can kill also, even though he didn't kill Job. John 10, verse 10, um, Jesus said, the thief, uh, the, um, the thief cometh not but to, but to kill, to steal, and to destroy. I'm coming to him, I have life, and I have it more abundantly. And of course, he's referring to, to the enemy there, to Satan. And Hebrews 2, verse 14 says that the devil has a power of death. I got these uh, points. Uh, I, I try to, whenever I borrow something, I try to let it be known. Um, James Knox, who wrote a really good Old Testament survey, uh, I've got uh, those notes from him. He's a pastor in Florida. And um, they're close to where Conrad is, his name that town. Um, DeLand. He's a pastor in DeLand, Florida. And so we see something else here. Go over to chapter 40. Now, he mentions two types of animals in here. And if you have a study Bible that has notes in it, I would almost guarantee you that if you sat down with somebody else with a study Bible, the note that they have in there, what these animals are, is going to be just as different as the study Bible you have. Because nobody knows. But I think there may be something to it that this may describe from what we know of what would be considered dinosaurs. It could very well be that. But look with me at 40, verse 15. This is something interesting. Behold now behemoth, B-E-H-E-M-O-T-H, which I made with thee. He eateth grass as an ox. Lo, now his strength is in his loins, and his force is in the... So this is an actual animal, whatever it is, and it could be um, a um, physically a type of dinosaur as far as an actual animal goes. Um, Creation Research Institute, I think they have some stuff about this. Ken Ham? Uh, they have some, maybe some, some material about this. What they go into a little detail about describing it. But one thing for sure, you know, we won't read the whole section. We read on down through verse 24. Um, it's a description, I think, of, of uh, the devil. And it's funny because that word behemoth means, actually that word means multiple animals. means more than one animal. Um, and so even though it's described as one, just one animal. Look at chapter 41, verse 1. Canst thou draw out Leviathan with a hook? or his tongue with a cord which thou let us down. Uh, and then he describes a little bit more about Leviathan there. Over, um, I didn't put the reference on there, but if you want to go over or write down the reference, go with me for just a moment, if you'd like to, to um, Psalm 74. Psalm 74. 
Psalm 74 and verse number 14. Thou breakest the heads of Leviathan in pieces, gavest him to be meat to the people inhabiting the wilderness. That's an interesting thing. I don't know fully what all that means, but Leviathan's described there. Psalm 104, one more, and we'll be done and go back. Psalm 104 and verse 25 and 6. So is this great and wide sea wherein are things creeping innumerable, both small and great beasts? There go the ships. There is that Leviathan whom thou hast made to play therein. And you look at the description of it, it sounds very much like um, a, an, a, a creature, I should say, almost like a dragon. And we know that in Revelation 12, we read a while ago, Satan is called that, that great dragon. So Leviathan, though it, though it might have very well been an actual animal, definitely gives a type or a picture of the devil himself. Here's some of his blessings. Chapter 42, let's close out with that. Uh, these aren't in order, but it's just in what, the order of what we're going to look at tonight real quick. He discovers the joy of prayer. Psalm 42, verse 10. And the Lord turned the captivity of Job when he prayed for his friends. Also, the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. So he prayed for his friends. He discovered the joy of prayer. Don't know how much. Well, we know he prayed because he talked to God in the book of Job. But when he prayed for his friends at the end of all the things he went through, his trials began to, they ended when he prayed for his friends. Um, I read verse 10, but if you read on down verse 11 and 12, his uh, health and his wealth was restored. Down verse 11, verse 12, says he had more than he had before. Verse 13, also had seven sons and three daughters. Uh, children, more children there. Let's flip this here. Saw his great-grandchildren, verse 16. Uh, after this, uh, lived Job 140 years and saw his sons, his son's sons, even four generations. That's a long time. Uh, he's able to live to see them. Back in verse 7 through verse 10, he was vindicated. Uh, let's look at verse 7. And it was so that after the Lord had spoken these words unto Job, the Lord said to Eliphaz the Temanite, My wrath is kindled against thee and against thy two friends. Uh-oh, they're in trouble. For you have not spoken to me one thing that is right as my servant Job hath. <laughs> All the things they said to him, they... Um, uh, they, they were held accountable by God. Verse 8, they were taking you now seven bullocks and they offered offerings. And then verse 9 talks about that. And then verse 10 says they turned the captivity. So Job was vindicated after all this happened with his friends, uh, how the Lord told them what they had to say was wrong. All that time, God never speaks to his friends until the end when he corrects them. Then verse 1 to 6, this is probably the best of all of it, spiritually at least, uh, spiritually. He had a bigger view of God, verse 1. Then Job answered and said, verse 2, I know that thou canst do everything. <laughs> Job knew that God could do anything and everything, and that no thought can be withholding from thee. So whatever God, you know, everything God can do, he even knows our thoughts. Verse 3, who is he that hideth counsel with knowledge? Where, uh, therefore have I uttered, not under, uttered that I understood not things too wonderful for me, which I knew not. Here I beseech thee, and I will speak. I will demand of thee, and declare thou unto me. I have heard of thee by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye seeth thee. Wherefore, I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. And we talked about earlier that um, um, that's what you know they did at the very first. His friends uh, did that uh, as they cast all that dust on their head. Now Job is doing that. And uh, he had a much, much bigger view of God once everything was finished. Jesus is found in Job in chapter 19, verse 25 on our fuel up here. As the Redeemer, uh, he, he said, I know that my Redeemer lives. In chapter 30, verse 10 and 11, where Job is facing ridicule and affliction, we know that our Savior did that when he was, he was um, accused before Herod and Pilate and um, the, um, the religious leaders and all the way to the cross, the ridicule and the affliction that he went through. And, of course, the suffering Job went through was nothing like what our Savior went through, but he is, uh, he's found there in the ridicule and the affliction that Job faced. And then praying for his friends. The Bible tells us that Jesus said, uh, told us, pray for your enemies. But also we, we see where uh, in, in uh, the book of Hebrews, the Bible says that Jesus is at the Father's right hand praying, making intercession, praying for you and me. So we see those things in Job that reflect our Savior. And some verses before we close here. Yep, some verses real quick. 
14 verse 1, the Bible says, Job says, uh, concerning Job, it says, man that is born of woman is few of days and full of troubles. Uh, and then in chapter 19, verse 23, he said, oh, that my words were written in a book. And they were. They finally were written. And then we saw the 1925, my Redeemer liveth. And then the key verse probably to the whole book of Job is in almost the exact middle, a little bit over middle, but um, a little past middle. But chapter 23, verse 10, Job says, I know that when he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. And certainly that's what God did in his life, what he worked in Job's life. So long study tonight, but uh, that's Job. Any questions or any comments or anything? I'm sure there are some or some thoughts or something. There's a lot of conversation in there. We didn't hit that at all. We just there's no way to go into all that because some of the things that are said in there, you just really have to sit and break them down and and um, with each different friend that talked to him. So, all right. Anything else? Like they were having a conversation, you know, and Satan comes up, and God says, Hey, man, where you been? And he says, I'll just, you're there, Roman Earth, and then he just brings up Job. And he considered my servant Job. I just think that's kind of, he had a story he needed to tell. Right. About his yeah, exactly. And um, that's the thing, uh, Satan may accuse us, but but God knows everything really about us. He knows, he knows the whole story. So even though the devil wanted to do everything could to, everything could destroy him or his family or whatever. Um, the Lord knows the, the whole thing, the big picture, and uh, I think that probably that really hit Job home whenever he asked him, you know, where were you when I created everything? Uh, when I when I created this earth, where were you? So, all right, very good. Anything else? All right, well, let's stand and close in prayer. I hope the Bible's coming together for you. It is for me. The more I study this, man, I realize how much stuff that I just want to go in too deeper and I'm hoping each week this will help you want to go in deeper rather than overwhelming you I hope it wants you to go in it helps you want to go in deeper let's pray thank you Lord for your word tonight and uh, there's so much to get and, and to study in this book uh, the whole book but especially here in Job as we looked at tonight Lord so much we we didn't even get to break down any of the conversation and uh, anything from the other guys the friends of his Lord we we didn't really get time to go into that there's so much in there and uh, as, you, as we've looked at tonight, Lord, there's so many topics found in this book uh, as, we, as, you read, as we read through and study it. And uh, the more we learn in it, Lord, about your nature, about, um, about our limited abilities, and, and about how life, the things that happen, Lord, that we know that uh, no matter what happens as believers, you know all about it before it even comes our way. And we thank you that you do, Lord. Uh, thank you for your word, and I pray that you'll bless as we grow in it uh, day by day. Help us as we leave here tonight to stay safe as we go home. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.